chapter 12 and what I'm hoping that you have received up to this point is an understanding of several things. One, I hope that you understand that we are to avoid evil and do good. Uh, I hope that we understand that we are to learn how to bless our enemies rather than curse them. Hmm? And I also hope that you understand that the Bible requires us to do good in spite of. So today, I want to talk to you on these last couple of verses, and hopefully we'll see some real change take place as we get into chapter 13. But here's today, here's two verses we want to talk to you on. Verse 20, verse 20 says this, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, this is the second part of last week. Do the right thing towards your enemies. Amen. Do the right thing towards your enemies. Amen. I might need to add something because some of y'all don't do the right thing towards your friends. <laughs> Amen. Do good to everybody. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you for this day. We thank you for being such a good God. You loved us in spite of ourselves. We thank you, God, for deliverance. We thank you for healing. We thank you, God, for right relationship with you and with our brothers and sisters. We thank you now for your soon coming return. For every brother and sister that's breaking the bread of life around the world, we pray that you would add a blessing to their words in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. <clears throat> so we began by talking uh, about one thing and one thing only, the most difficult thing for us. The Bible says, do not, do not avenge self. Do y'all know what that means? <laughs> yeah, don't take matters into your own hands. It is, it is so, so hard to let things go and you not do anything. A amen. You always feel like you have the power to change it. And for whatever reason, you actually believe, now watch this now, you actually believe that you can change it with your words. And how many know that you made matters worse? <laughs> so the Bible says, then what you need to do is get out of the way and allow room for God to intervene. Let God do what God does. Amen. And you stop trying to play God. Amen. So he says, give place to wrath means to allow God to bring his vengeance to bear on those of the world rather than taking vengeance ourselves. We're not, we not to give place for wrath in dealings with men, but watch this, rather give that place to God's wrath. 
Now, the Bible teaches us very clearly in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 32. It says that we are to treat our enemies kindly. And then Proverbs chapter 25 says here in verse 22 uh, that we should be nice to them and give them. 21 says to give them uh, a drink if they need it. But 22 says, for you heap coals on their head and the Lord will reward you. Now, here's what I want to show you. This section is called the principle of replacement. The principle of replacement. What does that mean? That means that I take my vengeance and my hurt and my disapproval and give it to God and let him then change it so it works for my good. And in the process of that, I want you to write down one more thing. Because this is going to be important. You are not responsible for outcomes. Amen. Now, I'm kind of slow amens over there. <clears throat> okay, listen to me. You are not responsible for outcomes. The outcome belongs to God. Do you understand this? Whatever it is, you're not responsible for how it works out. Amen. That's why in Romans 12, 18, he says, as much as lie within me, live peaceably. Now, what he's saying is, no matter what I do, there's some folk that ain't going to be right. They ain't going to like me. Huh? <laughs> And it's important that you understand that because if they never change, the process will change you. Amen. And this is the thing that you need to understand. If you go through this process of loving your enemies, doing good to them, it will change you. It may never change them, but it wasn't for them. It was for you. Now, listen, because this is this is hard sometimes. God is working on you to change you. And if you allow him to change you, then he will deal with your enemies. But you have to understand that it is God and not you. Amen. So when the Bible talks about uh, heaping coals on our enemy's head, we need to understand that, that when God says this, there are two, two things, two understandings that we can get from this. The first one is, uh, in the old Egyptian ritual, a man would show his repentance by carrying a pan of hot coals on his head. Uh, that was a symbol now. <laughs> it didn't burn his brain, so he would change. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> the Bible says this was a dynamic symbol of the change of mind which had taken place in his life. In other words, what he's saying is, I want people to see I'm different. Something has changed in me. Now, the, the, the literal understanding of this, of course, is the second understanding, is that uh, this refers to a sense of shame, punishment, or remorse, uh, which is uh, generated in the mind of our enemy. In other words, when someone does something good for me, if I am a normal human being, <laughs> okay. 
if, if I am a normal human being, I will always respond to kindness. Amen. Amen. And that kindness that my enemy is showing me will make me take note of what's happening and perhaps change my attitude about the person that's doing this kindness for me. But again, remember 1218. What's for 1218? As much. <laughs> and you can't forget that. If you ever forget that, you're going to be in trouble. The most effective way of subduing an enemy is by the unbearable punishment of unfailing kindness. Because it's God's way. Amen. You know, you always think about uh, if you've ever owned a dog. You ever notice that that dog does not respond to your unkindness? Always responds to you with kindness. If you're having a bad day, he'll make you have a good day. Because that's unfailing kindness. Amen. Even if you kick him, he may run and hide, but just a few minutes, he come back and see, see if you got your foot up. <laughs> and the reason for that is because it's unfailing kindness. And there's no way you can continue to be unkind when you're receiving that kind of kindness. So what he says here is that the most of, uh, uh, effective way is to just show this kind of kindness. Now, Christianity goes beyond non-resistance to active benevolence. In other words, it's not so much that I'm not going to do something, but it's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be passive when you, that's why we talked about turning the other cheek, you know, you know. We're not going to be passive when somebody's attacking us, but we're going to be aggressive in our love and kindness. Amen. Amen? Uh, sometimes you have to fight with people to love them. No, come on, that's good right there. I tell you what, that is really good. Amen. So Paul says that, that we need to overcome evil, but to overcome evil with good. So don't, 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 get, don't get too hung up on doing what you think is good. You need to learn how to do what's good to those who are evil. See, we have this thing where we, we, we figure out who people are, and then we treat them accordingly. It's quiet in here now. I guess we're talking to the wrong crowd. You decide whether you're going to be nice to a person when you determine whether they are nice people. But when you find out that, that they're a little bit to the left, you don't want anything to do with them. That's why some of y'all sitting on this side of the church don't know any of them folk over there. Yeah, say hey to them. They won't bite. <laughs> the 
Lord knows that's the truth. That, 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 if anybody ever told the truth, that was it. <laughs> so, <laughs> if we seek vengeance, the evil that has been done to us will conquer us and turn us into replicas of our enemy. Can I repeat that one more time? If we seek vengeance, the evil that has been done to us will conquer us and turn us into replicas of our enemy. Do you ever think about this? Maybe that's why your enemy is like what he is. Because somebody did it to him. And then, you know, <laughs> oh, let me see if I can say this in a nice way. See, some of us are what we call secondhand stupid. You got that way by watching somebody else. You, 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 the person that you were watching was a little different. Y'all know what I'm saying? And then you tried to imitate that person who was already. So you became secondhand different. That better. And this is, this, is, this is a lot of what the church is dealing with. Even in your worship, you become secondhand worshipers because you watch somebody. You didn't feel anything, but you kept watching them. Oh, well, I'm supposed, oh, okay. And you never got the real effect of it. I don't know why I'm here. I'm going to get away from this. Uh, you never got the full effect of it because you were imitating someone and it wasn't real in your life. And I'm going to leave that for another time. Second hand different. <laughs> yeah, I should have used that word different first. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we're not only uh, not to avenge ourselves, but we are to do positive good toward our enemies. Some people say, well, that, that ain't going to work. Well, our Lord did it. Didn't, didn't he die for us when we was yet sinners? Love in the church and love in the world go together. For God so loved, oh my. So they're both demands on our commitment. So if we love, it's a commitment. We commit to loving that person in spite of their behavior. How about that? So our minds have been renewed, our lives have been transformed, and the Holy Spirit then can do all things through us. But it's got to be real. All right. So we're not to be overcome of evil, but we're to overcome evil with good. As believers, we must resist the impulse to retaliate. But rather, we promote or advance our sanctification by doing good to those who do evil to us. What did you just say, Pat? I said I put my sanctification on display. I let you see who I am so that by seeing who I am, 
then perhaps it will influence your life. Therefore, we exhibit our life of transformation before a watching world. So when the world sees something, they need to see something real. Now, we just said people are going to uh, follow you and they're going to pick up secondhand information. So shouldn't you give them the right information so if they're going to imitate you, uh, they're going to be successful? Amen. And this is the reason that you got to be careful. Don't always tell people about your highs. I know how you all got it all going on all the time, but that ain't true. Hmm? But sometimes, you know, you're not going, you know, good. Everything's not peachy cream. And, and sometimes the world is, you know, just beating you down. But it doesn't have anything to do with who you are as a saint. You still have to stand firm in the midst of it all, as the song would say. Amen. So the Bible says that uh, uh, the evil man who is overcome by good is set free, not from an exterior or form a foreign enemy, but from an interior personal one. What does that mean? That means that the devil, your external enemy, watch this now, he keeps you in bondage. But the Bible says that if a man is set free, it's because of the Holy Spirit that's working in him that causes the change. Amen? And see, what we need to understand is that change comes from within and not from without. If you expect, if you expect your life to change because of your friends, you are sadly mistaken. Because you have changed a lot of friends. And you still are not there yet, as they say. You're still looking for something. Amen. So the Bible goes on to say that evil is the weak weapon of the sinner. Goodness is the all-conquering blade of the saint. So when we are evil, whatever we're doing is weak in comparison to what God is doing in us. And we have a weapon. The Bible says the word of God is a sword. Is that what it says? All right. So we have something that can change us from within. The word of God is in us and it makes us different. And because it makes us different, guess what? We act different. Amen. So the Bible says that we are to overcome evil. When we meet evil with good, we have uh, uh, at least overcome the evil in ourselves. I love this. When we meet evil, watch this now. When we, when, when we meet evil with good, we have at least overcome the evil in ourselves. You may not change anybody else. But you, <laughs> you may not change anybody else, but you, amen. But the Bible says, uh, if not our enemy, there may also be uh, a double meaning in the act. Here it is. We are conquered both by the evil act perpetrated against us and the evil bitterness of our own heart. What does that mean? Take a look at yourself. Take a look at yourself. When you look at this, the Bible says 
that you are conquered by uh, the, both the act that, that's done to you when you respond wrongly. All right. And then the Bible says there's a double whammy here because now that because people have done you wrong and you responded wrong, then you have a root of a bitterness springing up in you. There's no way you can respond to evil with evil with that, without you being evil. And we forget that when we try to get even, as folks say, we are practicing what the devil does. We're allowing the devil to work through us. Now, here's what John says in John chapter 16 and verse 33. Uh, he says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Bible says, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. But then notice what he goes on to say. In each of the seven letters, he ends with a promise. The one who overcomes. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of, uh, <clears throat> says to the church, to him who overcomes. Revelation 2.11 says here, at the end of that says, he, over, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Y'all seeing this? Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. Revelations 2, 26. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over nations. You might want to remember that one. Hello. Revelations 3 and 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. Revelations 3 and 12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple uh, of my God. Revelations 3 and 21, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. <clears throat> Are y'all seeing this? So the Bible says, now, uh, this is a quote, so I'm a, I hope they put it up there, but I'm going to read it to you. If my bad temper puts you in a bad temper, you have been overcome by evil. You see that? If my bad temper puts you in a bad temper, then you have become overcome of evil. How many times has that happened to you? You weren't mad until you got around somebody who was mad. And then you became mad. Here's my black history con contribution. George Washington Carver said, I will never let another man ruin my life by making me hate him. I will never let another man ruin my life by making me hate him. How easy it is for us to let people mess us up. You ever notice that the people that got you mad get over it and you stay mad? 
second hands. What I say? I, I, but you, you know, you, huh? And more often than not, that is the case. <clears throat> the person who made you mad gets over it. <clears throat> but you can't. Because you bought into the evil. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. As a as a mm, this is the last part of what George Washington Carver said. As a believer, he would not allow evil to conquer him. So by returning good for evil, the believer becomes a victor in the race of life. If I do good, I win. If I do good. If I do good. You remember a conversation in Genesis chapter four. <laughs> Genesis chapter four and verse seven. <laughs> Here's what God said. If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do well, will you not be accepted? He said, and if you do not do well, Sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now, that's a paraphrase of what I just said to you. If you do good, you win. But if you don't, sin is waiting for you. The moment you try to fight your own battle. You know, I think I told you this last week, but I've told you forever, so I'm just going to repeat it again. Don't defend yourself. I know we all think that we have to defend ourselves. When people are talking about you in the street, you feel like I just need, I need to say something. Why? First of all, first of all, first of all, if those people are in the street, what do you, what do you care Pastor, they're talking about me bad. Yeah, so what? All right, let me move on. We want to fight on that one, right? All right. It is the victor of the man who has, victory of the man, excuse me, who has been justified by faith, who was born up uh, by the grace of God in Christ, who is indeed confident in the knowledge of the victorious power of the gospel. Now, that's the one thing. Paul said this. He says, I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel. And the Bible says, and not in any sense of his own moral superiority. I know who I am. And I am a sinner saved by grace. I understand that. I know that any day I could be back where I was. So I need to stay close to the cross 
And I understand the grace of God is greater than my situation. So I'm going to make sure that I continue to exhibit that grace. It is God's glory and his, uh, God's goodness and uh, his glory that allows me to stay where I am. The moment I back away, I'm going to have a problem. See, the one thing I need to get you to understand is that first and foremost, never get ahead of God. What does that mean? Don't be presupposing stuff. Don't be thinking about stuff that you think God's going to do because he probably ain't going to do what you're thinking. Don't get ahead of him. Don't believe, don't believe that you are so blessed that you can buy something and God is going to pay for it. And I don't mean, I don't, listen, because I want to make sure you get this. I'm not necessarily talking about buying a, a, a physical thing and paying for it with actual cash. Uh, sometimes you let your mouth. Huh? Don't get ahead of God. Second, second. Don't get too far from God. See, now, if, if, if you're anywhere around him, you can still reach him. But if you move away. you may not be able to reach him when you need him. Well, Pastor, how can you, God's everywhere. How can he be somewhere that I can't reach him? Well, one, you may get in a situation you can't talk. Hmm? And it, it may be because you're unconscious. It, it may be there's something wrong with you Mentally. <sighs> Skip over that. I'm going to try to move away from that. So why does Paul tell us to forgive our enemies? Let's look at this. First, he says this. Forgiveness may break the cycle of retaliation and lead to mutual reconciliation. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And see, most people say, hmm, but they don't really think so. Can I be honest with you? Can I be really honest with you? That's probably some of you that don't want to see some people you know in this church. You despise them so much you don't want them here. Now, they're heathens right now, the worst kind. But you don't want them worshiping with you. So that's the first thing you got to overcome. Wait a minute, Pastor. Now, you're just making this thing too hard. Now, it don't have to be like that. Yeah, it does. Number two, it may... Make, it may make the enemy feel ashamed and change his or her ways. Sometimes what you do will change somebody else's behavior. Excuse me. Number three, in contrast, repaying evil for evil hurts you just as much as it hurts your enemy. Wow. Even if your enemy never repents, 
forgiving him or her will free you of a heavy load of bitterness. To respond to evil with evil is not to overcome it, but to add to it. Now, it took me a minute to figure this out. And when I say a minute, I mean years. <laughs> now, listen, because this is, a, this, is, this is to help somebody. If you dislike someone and you don't get past that dislike, then what you're doing is exactly why you don't like that person. Okay, let me try it on the side. If you practice evil toward someone, then what you're doing is as evil as you think they are. Okay, let me try the middle section. <laughs> if you allow the devil to use you, then it's the same devil that used the person who attacked you. Yeah. We begin to understand this. That's why we tell you, forgive. You must forgive. If you don't forgive, then God can't forgive you. And you say, well, wait a minute. Now, hold on. I've repented. Yeah, but I still don't like him then you haven't repented. Amen. You remember what I said earlier? It's, it's the change that takes place. Your enemy inside has got to be defeated. That person that's inside of you has got to be changed because the person that you exhibit has got to be real. And if the person in you is still evil, you're still going to do evil stuff. That's why so many people don't get delivered because they have this. And, and you may be you might be OK with everybody in this building, but you may not be OK everybody, with everybody on your job. So, Pastor, you're trying to tell me I got to be OK with them sinners I work with? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be one of them. But you do have to show them the difference. You are the light and you must show them that there's a difference between their behavior and your behavior. <sighs> Believers are called upon to live a victorious uh, life in a hostile world. By being just like Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, there was somebody trying to kill him. Hate and despise. Okay, just, just so we know this. All right. Instead of taking advantage of his enemy's misfortune, now this is Jesus, <laughs> no matter what form it may take, the Christian takes opportunity to show his enemy every kindness. Now, that word misfortune can be misleading because it could be uh, a disorder. So it may not be your enemy's uh, misfortune. He may not be uh, in a bad situation. He may just be uh, 
mentally challenged. Now, y'all look at me strange, and I've tried to avoid the subject all morning. <laughs> it's not normal to hate someone. <laughs> it is not normal to hate someone. It is not normal to want to hurt somebody else. Well, pastor, they hurt me and I'm going to get them back. And what have you accomplished? So somebody does something to you, you take vengeance on them. Let's just say worst case scenario, you kill them. Do you feel better? And have you accomplished anything other than going to jail, separating from everybody? So rather than separate from one person, now you're separated from everybody. And that makes sense to you? No, not if you're normal and rational. Okay? And that's the part I was trying. That's probably third or fourth hand. Y'all still with me? <laughs> so this plan of setting forth a positive path of good before the saints instead of a negative thou shalt not is the constant way uh, uh, of God and grace. Compare, you know, we have this big thing on legalism where we tell people what they shouldn't do. But I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. And we're going to end with uh, this, this scripture, I think. Verse 28. The Bible says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather... Let him labor, working with his hands, what is good. Now, wait a minute. This is the illustration of Romans 12. What do you say? Listen, the person was evil. He got saved. So the Bible says in verse 27, which I didn't read, he says, don't give a place to the devil. All right. He says here, let him who stole Still no longer. So if he was bad and now he's good, that's a plus for you. Especially if he's stealing from you. Y'all still with me? But then it says this. It says, let him labor, working with his hands, what is good. So that is the principle of replacement. He was doing bad. Now he's doing good. And, and the Bible says this. Watch this. That he may have something to give to him who has need. Now, wait a minute. So he was bad. 
Now he's good. He ain't stealing from you anymore. Come on. But working now, and watch this, and giving. Oh, you know we had to sneak that in there somewhere. He says he's giving. He was stealing before for himself. Now he's working for somebody else. That's the epitome of the principle of replacement. Replace evil with good. Amen. And then he goes on to say this in verse 29. <clears throat> Let no corruption word, uh, corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Now, some of you all don't know how to say kind words or good words. And even when you're saying good words, you're saying them with an ugly attitude. The Bible says that has to change. That, that has to be completely different. You know, in church, we say, tell somebody you love. You say, I love you. And you say, oh, I love you too. You get home and your husband say, I love you. Yeah, I love you too. Or, or other, way, other way around. It could, could be either way. And you all do it in church all the time. When you are trying to correct people and you tell them what thus saith the Lord and while you're telling me I feel like y'all abuse saints. Alright. See because I know I ain't the only person only pastor, because I've heard pastors talk. I'm not the only pastor that has a problem with folks sitting in certain places. Ushers know they'll move you in a heartbeat. Don't nothing mess up a person's worship that day about worse than moving them out of a seat and putting them someplace else. Can I get her? And you do it so kind. You got to move, Pastor. You can't sit there. I almost made it through. <laughs> All right. Let me. Let, I'm sorry. I just. I had a ministry moment. It said, what's necessary, what is, uh, what is good for necessary edification. Do y'all know what necessary, necessary means? Can I just say that? I, I know y'all are, are smart folks, and y'all probably, you know, matriculated at some of the best schools in the world. But I'm going to tell you what necessary means. If you don't need it, don't do it. Amen. What are you trying to say, Pastor? Some things don't need to be said. Yeah. 
If it doesn't help anybody but you, don't say it. You don't have to tell me about my dress. You don't have to tell me uh, about my face. You don't have to tell me about any of that stuff. You want me to smile? Smile at me. <laughs> he says here that it may impart grace to the hearer. Grace to the hearer. People are listening. No, they're looking at what you say. They are looking at what you say. They're looking at what you say. If you can't smile, if you can't be nice, if you can't do something that changes their attitude, then you're missing the boat. You're the same. So Paul says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. <sighs> well, I'm going to skip that because y'all know how you grieve the Holy Spirit. Just being you most of the time. Verse 31 says, okay, I'm, I'm going to get to verse 32. I'm, I'm uh, Verse 31 says this, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Get rid of your feelings about your enemies. Put them away. All right, now, this is not a license to be, stu uh, be different. <clears throat> your enemies are still your enemies. You have to make them friends, but they're still your enemies. You don't go to the zoo and say, hey, there's a lion that I'm going to make friends with him. And get in the cage and say, hey, Mr. Lion, I'm going to help you get saved. Hmm? Yeah. You be like the bear. Y'all know the story about the hunter? He was praying because the bear had caught him. So he started kneeling down. He just praying, Lord, please let this bear. Let him let me go, Lord. I don't want to be hurt by this bear, Lord, Lord. The bear looked at the man and said, hmm. So the bear started praying. Lord, we thank you for this food. That we I ain't had a joke all night. I, I, I. I'm sorry. I'm just. I was having withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> Verse 32, he says, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as, even as. Even as the Bible says, God and Christ forgave you. Amen. 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 
Which one of these cameras can I talk to, son? And when I want to talk to, I can talk to that one. See, because I need to talk to some of our folks that are watching us online and around the world. And I need you to understand that what we are seeing here at Dayspring is a change of attitude. People are being blessed, they're being healed, and they're being set free. But that's because they've had their minds renewed and they have changed their attitudes about folks. Amen. Now, here's the situation. We have problems in church, not this church, but every church, yeah. because we have this thing about folks that we don't care about, when in reality, it is us who is in need of care. So my appeal to you is this. If you're listening to this today, find you a church where the word of God is being taught, where miracles are abounding. If we happen to be your cup of tea, great. But if not, we will certainly be glad to recommend a church for you that can help you. Amen? Amen. 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 Y'all should give them a shout out there. Now, having said that, having said that, uh, I know that I'm still talking to some of my folk who are not here today because they're mad with somebody. I know it's y'all because it can't be me. <laughs> so I'm offering them the invitation to come on home. And for the rest of you all, we're going we're gonna to sing this song because I need you to be in the right place. This song, this is an old song that we used to do in, in the old church back in the day. So I'm getting you prepared there, Bubba. Uh, <laughs> Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Come on.